Do you want to know what other people think about you? Of course you do. We all do. It's something that's in all of us from early in our lives. I mean, think back to grade school when you didn't have cell phones or Snapchat to send messages to your friends in school, but you had to use an even more reliable pipeline. You would handwrite a note, fold up the paper until it was really small, and then pass it underneath the desk to the kid sitting in front of you, who would pass it to the next person all the way down the row until the note reached its intended recipient. They unfolded it, read it, wrote down their reply, and sent it back to you the same way. And the whole time, everyone is hoping the teacher won't see and the note doesn't get confiscated. And although not all the notes you would send were important, inevitably you caught sight of that guy or that girl and you sent a really important note. Do you love me? Check yes or no. And you waited on the edge of your seat for the answer because you needed to know, what do they think about me? Well, in this video today, I'm not going to be able to answer what your childhood crush thinks about you, but we've got an even more important question to answer. If you could pass a do you love me note all the way to God's desk, what do you think he would check? Would he check yes or no? Now wait a second before you answer that question. Because I think for a lot of us, especially if you grew up in church or a religious home, your first answer would probably be, well, of course, God would check yes. But I want you to search way down deep into your heart where nobody knows what you think and feel except you. Do you really believe God is fond of you? Do you think he likes you? Everything about you? Do you think he actually cares and he's interested in your life? Well, here at Community Christian Anywhere, we believe that no matter who you are, you can have certainty in the answer to those questions. In fact, we say all the time, no matter what you think about God, God can't stop thinking about you. He's for you, and He only has good things in mind for your life. And if you think that might be too good to be true, I want to challenge you to watch the rest of this video, because that's what we're going to be figuring out together. What does God think about you? I believe if you find the answer to that question, it'll not only change your life, but change the lives of those you interact with. Because through Jesus, you and I are invited into a life where we know we are loved by God so fully that we can easily and freely follow Jesus' central command to love everyone always. And we want to help you figure out how to do that. Hi, my name's Kelly, and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. So here's what I know about you. And I know this because it's true of me too. We all go through life constantly putting out these feelers to discover, am I loved? Am I valued? Am I wanted? We just want to know, do the people that I value, the ones who are most important to me, do they really love me? In other words, would they check yes or no? And I think it's just part of what it means to be human. We have this need, and it's born into us, to be loved and to share love with other people. And that certainly includes God, however you perceive God. But when it comes down to it, how can you really know for sure that someone loves you? How can you tell? 
I mean, what are the signs and the signals that will convince that part of you deep down that wonders sometimes if you're loved or not? And while I was thinking about all of this, I decided to conduct a little experiment. So I sent my wife a text and I asked her, honey, what's the one thing that is a convincing sign for you that I really love you? And I, as I waited for her answer, I started thinking about all the thoughtful, romantic gestures that I've made over the years, you know, the gifts, the dates, all the memories, all the thousands of times that I said the words, I love you to her. So I get a reply back from her and here's what her text said. She says, you know, I love it when you put my coffee cup out for me in the mornings. I'm like, wait, that's it? She said, yeah, it, it always lets me know that you've thought about me and that you know me and you care about my wants and my needs. And here's what that reminded me of. And it should remind all of us of this. Love proves itself with actions. See, my wife and I, we've been together for over 25 years now. And I've told her nearly every single day that I love her. But those words, they would all add up to nothing if there hadn't been some actions along the way to prove to her that it was true. In other words, my wife isn't convinced that I love her based on what I've said or how many times I've said it. It was the actions that I've taken that proved my love to her. Now, here's how this relates to my question earlier about God's love for you. See, for most of us, I think we tend to doubt that God loves us when a couple of things happen. First of all, you doubt God's love when you do something wrong. And maybe that comes from the picture of God that you have in your mind. Maybe that's how you were taught to think about God when you were younger. Or maybe that's just the way things worked in your family growing up. And if you acted right and you behaved, everyone was happy with you. But if you messed up, you faced anger, yelling, and a lot of disappointment. But there wasn't a lot of love when you did wrong. So now you see God the same way. Now he's a God who could never love someone who does the things that you do, right? But then there's another time when many of us doubt God's love. It's when you experience pain, when you struggle, when things don't go your way. There's, there's always that voice inside of you that often says, man, if God loved me, this wouldn't have happened. If God cared, things wouldn't be working out this way for me. And I wanna just say right here, I understand that. I mean, you're not the first person to have those thoughts. I've had those same feelings from time to time in my life. But I want to share with you some good news. You know, there is a way for you to have a relationship with God where you can know that He's with you and you know that He loves you even in those times when you're tempted to think that He doesn't. When you're feeling guilt over things that you've done or when your life circumstances cause you to kind of wonder, you can have confidence in the love of God for you. Now, in this series, we've been using the words to a simple childhood song as a model for everything that the Christian life is all about. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And it's that word love that I wanna explore with you today. So you can know for sure that God loves you because of what Jesus has done for you. Because remember, love proves itself by its actions, right? So you don't measure God's love by words that were said or by circumstances in your life or by how well you're following the rules. God's love is measured in the action that God took on your behalf. And the more sacrificial the action, the greater the love. 
I mean, Jesus himself said it this way, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now let me ask you something. Is there anyone you'd be willing to die for? Someone you'd push out of the way of an oncoming car, allowing yourself to take the hit? Someone you'd shelter with your own body if your house was collapsing in on you? I'll bet you've got a few people in mind. Your child, your spouse, your parent, maybe even a very close friend. But I'll bet that list, it doesn't get much longer than that. There probably aren't that many people that you love enough to sacrifice your life to save. Because that kind of love is the greatest kind of love that exists. Now let me read you some words from the book of Romans in the Bible. It says this, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. And that's something I think we can all agree on, right? Like I just said, it takes a strong, special kind of love for someone to lay down their life. But look at the next verse. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, let me elaborate on what the writer means by that statement. Again, love is demonstrated by action. And here's the action Jesus took for you and for me. While you still had your back turned to God, when you were in a position of saying, I don't want God, I don't even need God, before you ever even thought about loving God back, God came into the world as Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, and he laid down his life for you. Jesus died to prove that he loves you. He didn't just say it with words. He didn't just check a box on a note. He proved it with actions so that you would never have to wonder again. So anytime you doubt God's love for you because of what you've done or what may be happening to you, all you have to do is look at the cross where Jesus died that's how God feels about you. Jesus died to reconnect you to a relationship with your Heavenly Father. So why was Jesus' death even necessary? If God is so smart and if God is in charge, how did things spin so out of control that God would have to self-sacrifice to fix it? Well, to answer that question, we need to look at the story of God and His creation, which we have in the Bible. And it all starts with God's desire. See, God desires to be with you, for you to be in His presence. This is what you were created to experience and enjoy. And one of the amazing parts of being in God's presence is there is no death. There's only life, life eternal. Another part of being in God's presence is there's no scarcity or shortage. Nobody ever has to wonder if there'll be enough food to eat or water to drink. Nobody ever goes without when they're in God's presence because God is the source of love. God is love. So this longing we have, this hunt we're on our entire lives to be affirmed, to be loved, to belong, all those tensions are resolved when we are with God. This is what God created you to experience. It's the life you were made for. And God starts his love letter to us, the Bible, by telling us this repeatedly right at the beginning. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. He created them male and female, and he blessed them. As a human being, you have an eternal soul. You're different from the animal world. You're different from the rest of creation. You have a soul, a spiritual part of you that outlives your body, and your soul is made in the likeness or the image of God. So what does that mean? 
It means you have a capacity to create, and it means you have a free will. A free will is a spiritual, moral part of you so that you can choose God or you can reject God. And this free will is totally yours. God gave that to you out of love. No one else can make the choice for you. So when God created all of creation, He made this crown jewel of creation, humanity. He said, they will be in my image. They will create like I create, and they will have spiritual capacity. They will be eternal beings, and they will have a free will. They can choose my ways and my presence, or they can reject my ways and my presence. And this is the next step in the story of God and humanity. There is a catastrophic divorce between humanity and God, a great chasm, an earthquake in the fabric of the universe when our spiritual ancestors, with their free will, chose, having known God and His presence, to say, we would like to know what evil is. See, God had told them, in my presence, you won't know evil. Here's the door if you want to go through it, but if you do, it will bring death and destruction. And having been created with a free will, they chose to walk through that door. And just like when you were a kid and your parents divorced and you didn't get to have a say whether they divorced or not, you have been born into a world that is divorced away from God because of the choices of our spiritual ancestors. And so what do we experience? Mortality. We die. We experience being broken away from God. And whether we realize it or not, we spend our whole lives hunting, trying to restore that relationship. And we spend our lives unresolved. Even at the DNA level, our bodies have components that are unresolved. That's why we get cancer, COVID, and dementia. It's why our bodies break down. It's why emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, we're just unresolved. It's like that documentary you may have seen about orca whales who get put into captivity. Very often, their giant dorsal fin will flop over on the side because they're depressed. Why are they depressed? Well, an orca whale gets depressed when it's in a cage or even a large tank because it's designed or created to swim thousands of miles. It was created to swim across the globe, and now it's in a tank. And yes, it's alive, but is it really living? because it's certainly not doing what it was created to do. And that's exactly the position you find yourself in. You're in a body and in a world that's been broken by death and evil, by what God calls sin. Romans 3.23 from the Bible says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We're born in a world that's already contaminated. But if you are honest, in addition to that, we've all had moments where we've made a choice that we knew was not in the best interest of the people around us, or in our own best interest, or not in the best interest of the moral order of God. We've known what's right, we've known what's best, and still, we willfully choose against it. So because of that, all of humanity has been broken away from God. It's like standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon and God is on the other side. There's nothing you can do to fix that distance or chasm. You can't give enough money or do enough good things to earn your way across it. You're trapped, and there's no worse news than this. Now, if the story ended here, it'd be pretty depressing. But there is good news. When God saw humanity in this position, He didn't just leave us there. He decided that he himself would intervene, and this is the reason that Jesus had to be human and God at the same time, because he came to perform God's rescue. 
And what Jesus did was he literally created a bridge across the divide between us and God. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In, in other words, as Jesus says many times in his life, the way to the kingdom of God, he said it's a narrow road. See, not all roads lead to God, but this road, it's open to everyone. Whoever wants to can come. In fact, God outright says in the Bible that his desire is for everyone to come to salvation. God desires for all human beings to set foot on this bridge of rescue and be restored to God. But God respects the free will that he's given to you. And you get to choose for yourself if you want to accept this gift. Here, here's a verse from the Bible that summarizes it all really well. Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. Now, that's the bad news. The wages of sin are brokenness, death, anxiety, separation. Now, let me ask you this, what are wages? Well, if you have a job, you know. Wages are your paycheck. In your salary, it's this agreed upon contract where you say, I'll work for this much per hour or per year. And when you do, your employer gives it to you, right? That's your wage. And what God says is that the payment of sin is death, but it's not an immediate death. See, when our ancestors sinned, God didn't strike them dead right away. And when you sin, God doesn't strike you dead either. But what happens is you get separated from the source of eternal life. See, it's not that God is mad at you and he's gonna cause death in your life, but it's that you've been pulled away from the source of eternal life. And until you get restored to him, you won't experience eternal life. So the wages of sin is death, but here's the good news. But the free gift of God. Now, a gift, well, a gift is something that's always free, something you don't earn, but you do have to open it and receive it. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the thing about eternal life. If I were to die tonight, I know with all confidence that I'll wake up in God's presence in eternal life. But eternal life is so much more than that. See, it begins right now. I know that God is with me every day in this life. I've been made right with my Creator. And my longing to be loved and accepted and secure, those needs have all been met by my Creator. And it changes my life now. And it also guarantees me eternal life after my body wears out. In fact, think about your age for a moment. How old are you? Now, just put that number in your head and now add 50 to it. Now, most people who are blessed with a long life live to be around 80 years old. So here's a question. Are you gonna be alive in 50 years? Or will you be close to the end of your life? See, here's the point I'm making. We have such a short time on earth to receive this gift of eternal life. God has given us this time, but he won't violate your free will because see, love doesn't do that. See, here's what love does. Love sent his son, Jesus, to willingly lay down his life for you, to prove that God loves you, and to make a way for you to receive this gift of eternal life, to bring you back to the source of life, your heavenly father. That's what it means when we say, Jesus loves you.
In August of 2010, 33 men were working in a mine in Chile. The mine shaft they were in was three miles underground. The mine collapsed. For about two weeks, there was no contact made with the miners, and it was assumed that all of them were dead. Until suddenly, they made contact and discovered that all 33 of them were alive. What followed has been described as one of the greatest rescue missions in the history of the world. Some of the best minds in science, geology, and engineering put their knowledge to work and began making plans on how to get them out. After two failed attempts, they began drilling an escape tunnel straight through solid rock three miles down. The situation those miners were in is a lot like the situation we find ourselves in this world. We've been born into a world that, and its very fabric, has collapsed. But since we're made in the image of God, we still enjoy these moments where we are good and noble acts are done and love is experienced and we achieve some pretty great things. But in the end, we're all confined to this tiny mine shaft and none of us are going to live more than 90 years. So even the best moments and the best things we do are all tainted by sin. They're all clouded by the prospect and despair of death. But when Jesus came, he cut through the fabric of the universe and he made an escape tunnel. He provided a way out for the existence we find ourselves in, into another, better world. The world that we were ultimately created for, a world free from death and sin. It's why Jesus kept saying to people, my kingdom is not of this world. You guys are down here arguing about who's in charge of the food rations inside the collapsed mine shaft. So go ahead and argue if you want. I came to drill a way out to a higher realm to make you completely free from the darkness and death of a collapsed world. So for 69 days from August to October of 2010, 33 miners lived in the darkness waiting for a rescue from above. And one day it finally arrived. It was a narrow cylindrical capsule called the Phoenix. And one by one, each man had to wait for the capsule to travel three miles down to the bottom. Then he would climb in and allow himself to be lifted slowly three miles through solid rock until he reached the surface and was able to breathe fresh air for the first time in months. There was nothing those men could do for themselves to get out. They had to trust the rescue mission that had been created for them. And in a similar way, God has done the same for you. He's done all the hard work and sacrifice. He has drilled down through all the mess of our lives and the world we live in, and he's provided a way out. But just like each of those miners had to admit, they couldn't do it on their own. And they had to trust that cable to lift them up for three miles. You must decide, will I put my trust and my faith in God's rescue? I mean, can you imagine for a moment one of those miners standing in that mine and saying, you know, that way out, it's fine for you guys, but it looks a bit narrow and restrictive to me. I think I'll just rely on my own plan to get out of here. I mean, come on, I've got a flashlight, I've got a pickaxe. I think I can do this on my own. But the fact is, that's what most people are doing. They reject God's rescue, which is God's perfect, boundless love shown for them in Jesus. And for whatever reason, they decide they just can't trust it. And they choose to figure it out and do it all on their own. So the question I have for you is this, how about you? Who are you trusting to rescue you from this world that, yes, has its good moments, but in the end, is corrupted by sin and death and darkness? See, the Bible tells us this very plainly. 
If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can have eternal life. Not one day in the future when you die. It can start for you right now. So if you've never declared Jesus as your rescuer in a public way, man, I would love to be your witness and help you take your first steps of trusting in God's love for you. Uh, right now, would you just text the word rescue to the number on the screen? And I'll respond as soon as I can, and we'll start a conversation that could change everything about your life today and for eternity. Or, or maybe all you're ready to do today is just take a small step into our community. And we say all the time that for real life change to happen, church has to move from just being content you consume to being a community that you're committed to. Now, one easy step you can take towards community today is to go to the website on screen, cccanywhere.com, and click on the card that says, join our Facebook group. You'll be redirected to our online community where if you click the join group button, you can begin connecting with others from all around the country who are finding what it means to love everyone always just as Jesus has loved us. I hope to see you there. But no matter what you choose to do today, I hope you leave knowing that no matter what you think about God, He can't stop thinking about you. He loves you. You can experience that love here and now if you would just reach out to Him. And we'd love to help you with that.